Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of Digest and Invest by Toro. Uh, we've got a very special episode today. We're going to be talking all things the Federal Reserve. If you don't know who they are already, you probably would have learned who they are this year. And if you don't, well, we're going to break that all down for you today. Uh, and who better to join us than our investment analysts out in the US? Uh, today, we're joined by Callie Cox. Callie, how are you? What's up, Josh? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And I'm a huge Fed nerd, so I'm so ready to break the Fed down for you. Good, good. That's exactly what we want to hear. Um, and just a bit of a shout out to uh, our other man that's usually here with us, uh, Sam North. He can't be with us. He's not feeling his best. So a bit of a shout out to him before we get going. Um, but yeah, like I say, the Feds have been the talk of markets so far this year um, and probably last year as well for when, we, when we think about it. Um, I mean, central banks in general um, have been the discussion, but, but the Fed are the ones who, who really lead the way. And Mr. Jerome Powell um, does get a lot of Google hits uh, these days, I'm, I'm sure. So, Callie, just before we really get started, um, I want to just try and break down some of the jargon that we get when it comes to the Fed, right? So when we see articles, we see conversations, um, there's a lot of lingo that sometimes gets used that you may not see in any other context other than maybe with the Fed. We have the words dovish, we have the words hawkish, we have what's, we have a soft landing, hard landing, then we have, I've seen also, you know, we have the, um, the walking of the tightrope. Um, if you could, just before we jump into things, maybe just give us a brief breakdown of a few of the, the words that are maybe used the most and, and what they mean and, and why they're important when we're having these conversations about the Federal Reserve. Yeah, so I think you really need to start with what the Federal Reserve is because we throw sure. this word around in central banks and stuff. Uh, and the Fed just does so much in the background, uh, impacts the interest rates we pay on debt, you know, what we see in markets, the prices we pay in everyday life. Uh, it's really crazy for something that's a topic that's, you know, made so financial and jargonized. So the Federal Reserve is the U.S. central bank and central banks around the world basically exist uh, to have their hands on the economy, to have these levers that they pull to uh, really, really uh, change demand, if you will. Uh, so in the U.S., the Federal Reserve actually officially exists to keep inflation down and to keep the job market healthy. Keep the job market healthy. It's 4 p.m. my time, which is not morning in Europe. But anyway, um, so the Federal Reserve exists to keep inflation under control and to keep the job market healthy. Think of it like a balance beam of sorts. The Fed wants to keep the economy in balance. And the two things that it's looking at right now are inflation and the job market. Uh, but as you know, inflation is super high in the US uh, for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, the Fed sees that and they say, well, one half of our job isn't being done correctly right now. So you know, we have to do as much as we can to get everything in check. So the main lever they pull is uh, their policy rate. Um, not to get too far into the pipes here, but it's basically 
the overnight rate that banks pay each other. And that kind of that rate flows into the rest of the economy and borrowing costs that you and I pay on a bunch of different things. Uh, but not to get too nitty gritty there, uh, basically the Fed is pulling this lever right now to increase the rate, essentially slamming the brakes on the economy, saying, you know what, we're going to make it uh, more attractive to save over spending and investing uh, because financing rates are going to go up and growth is going to slow. But we're all doing it on purpose because we want to get inflation down. So that's what the Fed is doing in a nutshell right now. Um, it's a bit uncomfortable because the Fed is intentionally slowing the economy down. It's a bit like a controlled burn, uh, but it's all you know, part of the Fed's master plan until it isn't really because the Fed can lose control and go too far in either direction. Uh, but you know, right now it seems like they're still walking the tightrope a little bit. So a few other terms you should know. Uh, there are a lot of talks about a hard landing versus a soft landing. That's basically, you know, once the Fed is finished pulling this lever, is it able to do so without pushing the economy into recession? Is it going to be a hard landing like a plane where the plane crashes into the field? Or is it going to be a soft landing where the plane hits the runway? Um, there are a lot of analogies when it comes to Fed talk. I mean, others that you're going to hear are dovish and hawkish, which are actually war terms. Uh, they're war terms that um, have been around for many, many decades, but dovish basically means peaceful and quiet, letting things go. And then hawkish is, you know, aggressive, aggressive and ready to attack. And that's kind of the mode that the Fed is in right now because it's quote unquote attacking inflation. So I'm trying to think if there are any other terms, Josh, did I get them all? I think so. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much it. I think you covered uh, the bases. Maybe if we if we run into one along the way, um, in the episode today, we can maybe have a little pause and and and, and break it down. But no, yeah, stop me if there are any others and say, Callie, okay. please define that. We'll do okay, it. Good, good. Yeah. Um, obviously, you sort of mentioned it there, but the, the biggest number in markets right now, and and pretty much um, all the Fed is well, not all the Fed is focusing on, but the biggest focus for the Fed is is of course um, inflation. Um, and last week, we obviously had the the latest reading of inflation. Uh, out of the U.S., so sort of leading in to the the big event this week, um, which is of course the Federal Reserve's um, rate decision uh, for the month of September. Do you think that the the inflation number um, has changed things for the Fed moving into to sort of this week's meeting? Um, you know, going back probably sort of what a month ago, we were sort of pr pretty split between potentially a, a 50 basis point hike and a 75 basis point. Now it looks pretty nailed on that we're going to see a 75 basis point hike. But do you think that, as I say, that last week's inflation number has, has changed anything for the Fed at all? I don't think it really changed anything for the Fed, but I think it really brought into focus what the Fed's intentions are. Like at the start of this inflation cycle, if you had told me that the Fed would hike rates until inflation is under control, I would say, of course they would. That's their job, going back to that balance beam of inflation in the job market. Uh, but in this period of high inflation, there really are a lot of mixed signals because the Fed is leaning really, really hard into rate hikes at the moment. Uh, it really has all year, uh, to be honest. Either the Fed is hiking rates or it's telling markets that it's hiking rates uh, and markets are pricing that in. So, you know, through that, watching the Fed being so aggressive and, you know, inflation creep up as well, there was a bit of a relief in markets uh, around June or July when we saw that inflation finally slowed. And I think when that happened, honestly, I fall into this boat too. Uh, a few people, a few analysts even uh, were like, 
you know, maybe the Fed lets their foot off the brake a little bit. Maybe the Fed, you know, wants to see exactly how all these rate hikes matriculate through the economy. Uh, because, you know, we all felt pretty fearful, at least over here in the U.S., uh, consumer confidence was way down. And honestly, the Fed had hiked rates a lot and a lot of things were changing at once. Uh, but, you know, then Powell went to Jackson Hole, which, by the way, at Jackson Hole is actually a really funny term. Uh, it's this meeting of central bank officials in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is a very mountainous part of the U.S., uh, so literally like these officials, they go on hikes and then they talk about hikes. It's pretty hilarious. But anyway, the Fed chair, Chair Powell, um, does a, uh, has a speech every year about monetary policy. And Jackson Hole is actually pretty notorious for Fed chairs coming out and making announcements before they actually happen. Uh, this didn't quite happen this year, but uh, Powell came to the podium and he was basically like, I'm going to keep this simple. We are fighting inflation at all costs, uh, which again, like kind of comes back to the, you know, inflation is still quite high, even if it's slowing. But I think that really shocked the market. It said, you know, maybe Powell isn't uh, quite satisfied with the balance of inflation and job growth, but considering the job growth side of it now, you know, maybe he thinks that jobs, the job market really is so healthy that they could lean a little bit more into it. Whereas uh, in appearances leading up to that, he was, you know, kind of hedging it and talking about the risks and, you know, the benefits of, you know, this inflation job growth balance. So anyway, that's, that's a bunch of nerdy stuff to think about, but the details really matter when it comes to the Fed. And the Fed has given a lot of details. That's kind of Powell's style. Uh, but I think he may have leaned or led markets a little too far on the wait and see kind of approach or the, you know, we're going to consider everything kind of approach when really inflation is still quite high and the Fed doesn't like that. Hmm. I think, as you said there, you sort of, it's some of those sort of key words in, the, you know, when Powell came to the podium, you know, we sort of focused on that. He sort of said that um, you know, he's committed uh, to sort of fighting inflation. And that was a big um, sort of focal point from the RBA, the um, Reserve Bank of Australia, when, when they had their recent rate hike there. You know, I, I saw someone on um, on Twitter and, and sort of they had gone through the statement and counted how many times uh, the RBA had used the word committed. And um, mm -hmm. I think that's sort of the focus around at the moment with, with all central banks is they are uh, using that sort of aggressive tone um, in, in their conversation as well. And I guess what's really important as well is, is to look at sort of the press conferences that we have, right? Because sort of newer traders and investors can can often get carried away by sort of the initial announcement um you know by that sort of headline number but it's also really important to understand that the press conference is key as well i know these are something that you keep a, a pretty close eye on as well what in particular are you going to be listening out for looking out for um from mr j powell's comments after uh the decision yeah well fed rhetoric these days is everything and in like this area or environment of uncertainty, like any kind of certainty that investors can grip on, they're going to do it. Um, so it's actually really interesting. A lot of Fed chairs have their own speaking styles. And like I mentioned a minute ago, um, Jay Powell really likes to talk about like the pros and cons of everything. That's how he's been even before the COVID crisis. He talks about, uh, he calls it upside risks, but essentially the pros of the economy and then the cons of the economy, downside risk. So he hasn't abandoned this style uh, in the COVID crisis. And 
in a way it's it's almost better for where we are in this world of social media and information getting disseminated so quickly i mean in fact his conferences his press conferences are on youtube and like tens of thousands of people watch them so he's out here talking about the pros and cons you know really giving people look into how he's thinking about policy. And at the same time, so many people are watching and listening to him. So he can really use that platform to A, transmit policy without actually doing anything, and B, you know, give people a look into other uh, parts of the Fed's purview that aren't necessarily in that inflation and job growth mandate. So in this meeting, um, I'm, of course, going to be listening to the press conference. I mean, I have my three screens and like one of them is Powell entirely when he's talking. Um, But I'm going to be listening especially closely to the way he frames those pros and cons. Talking about inflation, of course, inflation being much too high, but also talking about what he sees in the job market. Because over here in the U.S., we haven't seen much weakness yet. Uh, And it's great news because we haven't seen people, a lot of people lose their jobs yet. Um, Wages are still growing at, you know, a pretty strong pace, but, you know, it's almost too strong. And Powell knows we need to get that in check because um, that's one of the reasons why we're all spending so much and why inflation is so high. So I'm going to be listening to what he's saying about the job market, you know, the progress that we're seeing in the job market and what he's, you know, hearing from the ground uh, from certain companies and certain industries. Uh, But I also want to hear what he has to say about the U.S. dollar. I mean, frankly, the dollar is one of those pressure valves that the Fed doesn't directly focus on, but it has such an influence on that it almost has to has to you know focus on it when it considers policy. You know, it's one of those the Fed has a dual mandate, but it's one of those like third or fourth mandates that everybody jokes about. And the U.S. dollar has been so strong versus other currencies I mean, partially because we can't get the economy to slow down, but also because, I mean, around the world, we have a lot of countries and regions that aren't as self-sufficient when it comes to commodities and resources. And with the Ukraine conflict, I mean, that just threw off global trade. So, you know, going back to that walking a tightrope, Powell is really walking a tightrope here uh, between trying to solve what the U.S. economy is going through and trying not to put the global recession into crisis because uh, the dollar strengthens every time he hikes rates or the dollar may strengthen every time he hikes rates. That's compliance. Uh, (laughs) The dollar could strengthen every time he hikes rates. So I want to hear about how he's thinking about that because there are just so many ties with the U.S. and the global economy. We're really all in this together. And I want to know how policymakers are really viewing that holistic global view of, you know, what their policy can do. I kind of, I kind of feel sorry for Jerome Powell at this point. He's got a difficult job, isn't he? I mean, um, I, he's, probably, he's probably got the hardest job in the world right now, no? I actually said that. I said that to somebody like a month ago, and they were like, "Don't be sorry. Like he's the Fed. He's had a great few years before this." True, but I don't know. True. It's got to be a hard job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're, you're trying to basically call the economy you're unfortunately probably going to have to make people lose their jobs you're trying to bring down inflation you're trying to bring the dollar back down it's certainly not easy but i hope you sleep well sleeps well at night that's that's all i can say um, i don't think he sleeps <laughs> no i agree i don't think he does either um obviously this year as well the the sort of the the federal reserve meetings they they've sort of they've tended to be met with with a fair bit of relief um, in markets, um, more often than not, when when we've sort of seen these the, the decisions come through, we've we've seen maybe that sort of relief rally uh, coming through into markets. 
Do, do you think this is something that investors should should bear in mind going into this week's decision and obviously future decisions? Um, do we do we just play it on a case by case basis? Um, because again, now going in, we're we're sort of pretty much expecting a seventy five basis point, and Powell's sort of tone um, and his. Um, one of, I think one of maybe I could say his key selling points is that he's always been pretty open, he's been pretty transparent, and he's not really met us with any surprises sort of so far, which is probably one thing that we can sort of use as a takeaway to say, okay, you know, he's really not given any sort of real surprises to markets. But going in, is it, what can we expect? Do, do we think that you know, each, each sort of decision we, we should just meet on a case-by-case basis? Yeah, well, I think these relief rallies we're seeing with the, F- the Fed is really re- a reflection of how scared the market is right now. I mean, if you look across like a bevy of sentiment indicators, if you look at it institutional and, you know, frankly, some retail uh, indicators as well, there's just a lot of fear in the market. And fear in a weird way is like kind of healthy for the market. It means that people hedge their positions more. Um, and when you're hedging, you're not necessarily selling. And it means that they're sitting on the sidelines and they're kind of waiting for that all clear signal so they can rush back in. Uh, now, I know not every investor thinks that way. Like, not we're not all day traders here. I'm not sitting on the sidelines and putting my money back in when, uh, you know, Powell says a certain word. But I do think that there is a bit of short-termism out there. And I just think that there's a lot of fear because people are really expecting the worst case scenario. So when Powell comes out and he talks again about these pros and cons and he says things like the economy could stay strong, like a soft landing is possible, you know, really keeping that Powell-like optimism because he thinks on both sides of the boat. Uh, I think, you know, the fearful side of the investor really takes to that and they say, oh, well, you know, the head of the Fed here is saying, you know, he thinks that there's still a chance. So there's kind of still a chance. And honestly, like there, def- there is still a chance. And I don't think Wall Street reminds investors enough of that that it's really not a zero sum game. Um, you know, we're looking at everything going on and there are, there really are pros and cons. Uh, I know Ben Lather gets into this a lot. Ben Lather, our global market strategist, you know him, I know that, but mentioning it for the crowd. He's, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nice, he's a guest that comes on a few times. So he's a regular, oh, so everyone should know him. But um, but yeah, it's always good to, to give the man some limelight. Yeah, so we all know Ben, but yeah. you know Ben does a really good job at really focusing on all the little parts that are moving, and you know there are some really encouraging signs. Like the Fed wants to slow down job growth, and right now they're having trouble slowing down the job market. But you know that's also growth being resilient in the face of some pretty hard hammer hits on top of it. So you know I go back to the fact that you know things are more gray than black and white. And right now the market is looking at a lot of black. It's looking at a lot of doom and gloom and it's really not that way. And if you're an investor and you can think long-term and you know that society will make it out of this as it has in other crises, that's a really good attitude to take. And it's a great mindset when you're looking at these attractive prices. And it's interesting as well, because I think Ben has mentioned it a few times, but it, it, when we obviously have the, that sort of uh, that, that rate decision from the Fed, and then we see the market rally. It's kind of the opposite of what the Fed want, right? It sort of does undoes the sort of financial tightening that they've, they've tried to bring in. And that's obviously why I think was the biggest um, 
conversation around maybe why um, Jay Powell was, was so aggressive maybe at Jackson Hole was because it was just around that time that we had that sort of really nice ball run in, in that bear market. We'd had that relief rally as well. And then he sort of then really cooled markets and, and sort of brought it down. So, yeah, in, and I in, think that there's... Sorry, I think that there's a lot of psychology in that, too. We haven't seen a Fed chair that's been hard on inflation for years and years and years because we just haven't needed that. I mean, in the last bull run in the U.S., we couldn't get inflation above 2%. I even said to my old boss at Ally, I was like, I was like, I don't think we'll ever see a CPI print north of 3% in my lifetime, which like, LOL, joke on me. <laughs> don't ever say that. Don't say definitive things. But um, you know, it really speaks to the fact that we had inflation under control for a bunch of different reasons. And there are a lot of demographic forces that are keeping keeping inflation low. But you know, the Fed's got to do what the Fed's got to do, and clearly, we're in a crisis now. Yeah. So, in that sense, then, if we, if we take sort of maybe a bit of a look and if we look ahead to um, the, the decision this week, um, again, it's it's going to be another aggressive move, as we know from the Fed. But looking into it, what, what would you say is going to be the best case scenario for markets this week? Oh, gosh, this is hard. Well, when it comes to the Fed, the best case scenario is getting inflation under control without causing a recession. So any indication we can get there would be great. Um, mm. You know, I don't know where we are on that spectrum right now. Uh, some have argued that it's really not an argument of recession versus no recession. It's more an argument of mild recession versus severe recession. And, you know, I don't know what the future holds. I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's quite optimistic that, um, or it's a good sign that the job market is holding up and that companies are doing so well, but it just depends on how much the Fed really has to push on them to get inflation down. Uh, but lost my train of thought. I mean, I think, I think that the best case scenario here is really to watch uh, you know, company earnings in the job market and see how stable they can be, you know, see how much, again, the Fed has to lean into, lean into putting the pressure on companies because they seem quite resilient. And, you know, the more resilient they are, the higher the chance of a soft landing. But there are just pieces around the globe that are really crumbling. And it feels like the cons are piling up. So for me, you know, a soft landing is obviously the best outcome, but in my mind, I question the probability of that. And as days go on, the margin of error is really dwindling. Uh, for the yeah. Fed meeting, though, best case scenario is <laughs> Powell, you know, Powell being able to talk about inflation and really, you know, striking the right balance between talking inflation and growth. Yeah, absolutely. And again, there's the conversation as well in markets at the moment over that sort of recession because we obviously had the the two negative quarters of of gdp which by all accounts is is obviously a uh the technical recession but obviously then we didn't we haven't got the the jobs market to sort of obviously reflect a recession etc as well so um and then i guess when we talk about recessions as well if we look back to maybe you know recessions such as the gfc we're probably not in the same position as we were there given the strength that we have in, in, like you say, the jobs market, given that banks aren't over leveraged, consumers aren't over leveraged. So um, in that sense, if we maybe are forced into recession, let's hope that it's maybe something that's that's softer and maybe not as long as and as aggressive as well. So yeah, uh, and I and guess that's... that's oh, that's a really good point too. I mean, this is still kind of systematic. Um, the GFC, the great financial crisis, that was like truly the financial system is sick. 
And uh, I mean, I wasn't in the industry back then, but I had parents who lost their jobs and, um, you know, people who were back in the industry were tell have told me how painful it is. The fact that, you know, many of us who talk about the markets and who consider ourselves experts on the markets really didn't know if the economy would make it out of it. So I, it feels like a different conversation here too. Um, it feels again, more like a controlled burn than a forest fire. But I think the line is really where people are figuring it out. And it looks like the line's getting thinner. Mm, absolutely. And just a nice little shout out to Australia. Uh, during the GFC, we were the only country to not go into a recession. So I know you guys, didn't you guys have like the longest economic cycle on record for like all economies? Yeah, it kind of helps that we, we've got a lot of natural resources and we're pretty close <laughs> to China who, who tend to want all of it as well. So we're kind of lucky in that sense. Um, <laughs> But um, look, I think obviously a big part of, of obviously what the markets are trying to do and, and, and we're trying to look ahead, right? We're trying to price in these sort of future events. I mean, there's, um, you know, a lot of what I see now is analysts talking about when we're, when we're going to see the Fed starting to, to sort of cut rates. I think that inflation reading maybe moved that sort of bar slightly. We had... Um, a lot of conversation maybe it would be early 2023 that's where maybe the fed could slow down or at least you know begin to maybe think about cutting rates now some economists are going that nah, this is not going to happen until at least 2024 you know they're going to have to really go aggressive because this inflation number is is so sticky but at, at what stage do you think the market can start to get positive is it when the fed starts to pause maybe takes the foot um off the pedal a little bit is it before that do we then have to go and look at certain data releases because you know the fed have come out you know plenty of times before and said they're completely data dependent in that sense or is it all in all just completely more complex than that <laughs> it's always more complex yeah, i think what yeah. tripped us up too uh in july and august back when markets rallied i mean i said at the beginning of this conversation some of us thought that the fed would pause and kind of see the collateral damage before they kept going uh, but I also think the slowing inflation trade like really caught investors off guard. The whole like, okay, the trend is changing. So you know, maybe I tiptoe back into risk or jump back into risk um, like we saw in July and August. Um, I think with how momentum driven this market is, it caught a lot of investors off guard and it made them think like, okay, maybe this is over and maybe we pile back in. And we know all markets are forward looking, right? Um, you know, 10 Generally, the market sniffs it out before it actually happens, uh, but it's hard to know like when it's actually for real or if it's a false start or not. So I, I think that that was kind of a head fake for us, and we're all kind of wary about it now. Uh, head fake being, I don't know if we're going to see the bottom again, but uh, you know, clearly we're down from those levels. But I mean, going back to future events too and positioning for them, I think the biggest value that investor, uh, I think the biggest value that analysts can give investors and customers is to really help them understand the range of outcomes um like i can't tell the future i don't have a crystal ball like definitely it'd be good if we did eh? <laughs> i know it'd be great but like spoiler alert nobody has a crystal ball um but what we are good at is really understanding you know what could happen like really what are the range of outcomes here and as an investor how do you process that and fit it into your own portfolio with your own goals and your own needs so when I think about the Fed and I think about everything that can happen, I mean, it really looks like a wide, wide range of outcomes. And that speaks to the fact that you need to be prepared for all scenarios. 
it seems like the Fed, um, like Fed fund futures and stuff, uh, a lot of the, you know, predicted markets, quote unquote, have no idea what's going on. And they're constantly moving along with Powell, you know, what Powell says. So, you know, the best way to react to that is to understand kind of where you're going and why you're investing. Um, and Ben talks a lot about a barbell strategy and barbell strategies are, you know, really good strategies to lean on in times of uncertainty. So no matter what the Fed does, um, the Fed is definitely going to react to <laughs> growth and inflation, kind of going back to the basis of this conversation. But no matter what the Fed does, it makes a lot of sense to be prepared because even in Wall Street, you know, people are looking at this market and saying, I really don't understand. Nobody knows anything. So think about how you can be prepared if the market rallies. You know, if the Fed comes out and says, okay, we're satisfied, we're done. Um, we're going to take a pause or we're going to cut. Uh, or if the Fed comes out and says, you know, we really need to hammer it. And by the way, the job market's not looking so great either. And now we're balancing this uncomfortable situation of uh, an awful job market and high inflation. I mean, you really have to be prepared for both. So you have to kind of have one foot in both camp, both camps, um, you know, really to keep yourself sane too. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's why it's so difficult for a lot of investors at the moment as well, because you sort of said it a few times there, but so difficult to sort of say what's going to happen next. And then in the right here and now to sort of say, if anybody is to sort of say they know what's going on, then, you know, they're, they're probably maybe telling, uh, uh, telling a few porky pies. So um, it is so difficult to sort of try and really, um, you know, build your portfolio around that. And I think that's you know, again, why, you know, our sort of view is that, um, you know, that sort of defensive element of the portfolio is, is still really important right now. And, uh, um, you know, when, when we do have these sort of rallies um, within this sort of current market, sort of not to sort of maybe get too carried away, because, again, we're still going to sort of try and anticipate um, what's what's going to happen. And, and, and that's obviously really difficult to do. Um, yeah. And your time horizon matters a lot, too. I mean, if you're a long term investor and you've looked back at history, I mean, you know that the S&P pushes through bear markets at the most, you know, they've it's taken about six or seven years to do that. And that's a long time. But man, if you can have that long term perspective and, you know, society is building underneath all of this, what a great time to get in and really take advantage of those prices and in, you know, ideas and concepts that you really believe in. Yeah, I really hope Jay Powell does something so we don't have to go through this for six or seven years come on i know yeah. right i don't want that i don't want oh, that but it helps give you a sense of you know kind of peace and comfort as you see these headlines come across the tape it's worst like, case scenario yes. right yeah exactly maybe markets are falling but at the same time a loss isn't a loss until you actually sell correct absolutely um well Callie, look i think we've covered pretty much all things federal reserve so before um, getting into this, if somebody wasn't sure by the end of it, they are definitely sure. Um, and I think uh, it's it's a great uh, it's, it's been great to be able to sort of break that down because again, they're, they're the talk of markets right now. Again, every country in the world is is laser focused. Um, obviously, on the US again here in Australia, when we had that inflation print last week, it had that sort of domino effect onto our local market as well. So everybody is is looking over to the US and looking at what's happening over there. So it's really brilliant to, to sort of try and break that down. Um, yeah, no pressure. We'll try not to let you down. <laughs> no, no, come on, guys. You guys, you guys have got this. Um, but Callie, look, thank you very much for, for coming on today. Um, and if there's anything you want to finish off with, then now's your chance. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, you know, I write a weekly note called The Bottom Line. Um, it's it's U.S. focused, so I'm not sure who has access to it around the world. But if you mm -hmm. want market insights, if you want my Fed ramblings, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I publish a lot of stuff there. Uh, my handle is Callie A. Bost, C-A-L-L-I-E-A-B-O-S-T. Uh, I'm a crazy, crazy Fed nerd. So during Powell press conferences, I write like long, long threads on it. So um, yeah, you know, keep in touch with us, me and Josh. Sure. I can uh, I can vouch for Callie on on Twitter. Some fantastic content. Um, and yeah. rather than rather than um, needing to type that in, I will uh, I'll tag Callie's um, Twitter in in the link in the bio. So check that out. Go and follow Callie. And the bottom line as well, great insight into the the Federal Reserve. So make sure you check all of that out um but as usual thanks everyone for joining um for everything that you need on markets head over to the eToro academy where there's guides podcasts videos webinars everything you need on markets but once again callie thank you very much for joining yeah thanks for having me this was fun super fun um and again see you guys all next week uh, and happy fed week take care guys Bye. you've been listening to digest and invest from eToro for more information visit eToro.com <laughs>